two, one. Welcome to The Crossroads, the show where we provide you the tools to break boundaries, reach new frontiers, and unlock your greatest life. I'm your host, Kai. Today, you guys, we have a very, very special guest that I've been waiting to talk to for a very long time. Uh, we're currently, if you can see on video, we're currently inside Kinja's Complex in the Vibrancy section. And if you don't know what Kinja's are yet, um, somehow, then they are a collective group of dancers that I've been following for a very long time, since 2010. Um, they've been leading the charge for choreography, dance, for breaking, and hip-hop, and all types of structures in this art and creation, and combining dance with all other types of art. And the person I'm sitting next to right now has done a phenomenal job of doing this. And um, I, he's super humble, so he doesn't get the chance to talk about himself very much. But his art speaks for him, his voice, like, all throughout. If you've ever seen Kinja's or or any type of vibrancy work or anything within the dance world, chances are that he's touched it somehow. He's a graphic designer, interior designer, costume designer, designers of, of so many different things and trades. The medium does not restrict him. He's also just an amazing, humble, and kind person. John Chi, thank you so much for being on the show. I appreciate you for your time, man. Thanks for having me, man. Of course. No, I'm, I'm super excited to get into this. Um, it was not that long ago, maybe about a year and a half, when I first met you. Actually, before that, I met you briefly in Shanghai. But before, but after that, um, I hit you up on Instagram, and you were kind enough to just allow me into your home. And we talked for a little bit. You shared a little bit about yourself and, and the things you've done. And that was the first time I'd really gotten a chance to to peer into the mind of your um, your hardworking and, and very, um, just every, like, there's a lot of things mind, right? Okay, so... Um, the first thing I wanted to talk about was how I guess you got started. So as opposed to an origin story, I remember that you told me breaking was one of the very first things dance-wise that you were involved in. So I want to hear a little bit more about that. And then I also know that there was an accident that you had that kind of changed things for you. But let's let's start there. How did how did dance even become a part of your life in sure. the first place? Yeah. So through like middle school, high school, I was uh, active in Taekwondo. Um, so I think the interest in movement actually came from that, from martial arts. And then in college, I was sort of introduced via YouTube, um, the breaking world and like uh, things like Red Bull BC1. And um, that's also when sort of the dance shows started to appear on TV. Um, and it, it was just sort of that time frame that I sort of saw like, oh, this is a this is a thing. And there were certain people that um, did come from martial arts background um, that were specifically into breaking. Right. Um, people like Nagin right. or yes. uh, even like uh, some of the Quest Crew guys. Yeah. Um, so seeing that sort of... Um, hybrid in terms of creativity and movement and sort of the cross-section of things that were happening there was uh, really interesting to me so that's why I started like trying to learn how to break um, and I grew up in upstate New York it's not like there was a huge scene there just a couple people um, at my high school that were into it um, so we'd just meet up in the gym um, like after school and stuff and session I'd be learning from from videos or from from the people around me um, and that sort of continued into college gotcha. 
Yeah, I, I feel that actually. And I remember you mentioning that it's it's crazy because the first thing I started doing movement wise was also Taekwondo. Um, I was I was six and I, I get that that bridge, right? That connection where you learn a roundhouse kick and then that same kick will take you places in breaking, right? Okay, so we have now we know your background like dance wise. So how did that connect to the arts that you do today? What other what when when you were a kid, did you have any tendencies artistically growing up? What were your favorite things to do? Yeah, I mean, I I was always sort of into like visual art. So my mom tells me I was like drawing pictures when I was four of uh, like dinosaurs or like sea creatures or something. Um, so that's kind of been the the line that is drawn from like back then till now. It's like. I've always had some sort of interest in art. And um, like you mentioned, sort of the, the mediums have kind of like transformed and manifested in different ways. Um, but the interest has always been there. Um, and yeah, I guess it, it stems from that, I don't know, crayon yeah, drawing, like, okay. yeah. Got you. So then you ended up going to school for design, correct? So how, how what was that decision? How was how that process? And um, yeah, how did you end up picking Syracuse? Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Um, I think I was on sort of a different pathway, partially because um, I think my parents would have preferred a different route. <laughs> right. right, yeah. Um, and so I really didn't know or think that I was going to go for art until my senior year of high school. Um, and that's also because that summer before that year, um, I entered like a summer art program okay. that was sort of like a fast track to the AP art class at my mm. school. So if I hadn't taken that summer course, I couldn't take the AP art course. Gotcha. Um, but I did. And because I, you know, I'd missed sort of like the prerequisite art classes that you should take before that. Mm -hmm. um, but because I took that summer course and the teacher was the APR teacher, he allowed me to take the class mm -hmm. for my senior year. And I did well on the uh, art exam at the end of the year. Um, and that got me a little bit of a scholarship uh, into Syracuse. Oh, okay. So that was part of the reasoning got there. you yeah. what made you so you took this intensive summer class and what, what why did you decide to sign up for that do you remember uh it, i think it was really just like man i i know i'm decent at this i know i'm interested in art don't know what else i would do in the summer like uh and i think i had talked to the art teacher at some point before then and he was like if you take this maybe you can take the class so um that factored into it um yeah i don't know i i, I just think that um it felt like i should do something about it because i it had sort of been dormant right like right. i i was drawing and stuff but i didn't have uh like career goals out of it gotcha so taking the class and then doing well in the exam made me feel like okay maybe this is a possible route to take mm -hmm. um for myself and also for my parents mm -hmm. so yeah got you so yeah it was filling some of the criteria right and yeah. in in a time when maybe 
a lot of kids in high school don't know what they want to do, mm-hmm. right? It's like not uncommon, especially like, I mean, I, it was the same for me. And the only reason I ended up um, going to school and I went to school for film was because that was my second choice next to mechanical engineering, mm. but my math scores weren't good enough. So they ended up okay. they're like, okay, we, we can't accept you for this because sure. your math scores suck. But your second choice was film and like, you know, like, okay, you can go for that. So that ended up happening. But because of that, it was, it was because I decided to, to even put that down. Sometimes we happen to do things on a whim and yeah. they lead us somewhere. Right. Yeah. And, and, and things just happen. Sometimes you pick things for a reason. So right. it was, it was that choice you just had to take. How did dance end up, um, becoming more and, and how did you end up going into this field because right now from what you've told us um it's art right and yeah. then you danced so there's these two things how did they start to converge yeah so um i think the general sort of interest in art like uh also i i um played piano since i was young so mm-hmm. i think dance already by itself looked like this hybrid of visual art music movement these things that like for me stem from drawing and taekwondo and piano it's like wow these things can all be represented in some way by this medium called dance Mm. and um interest level wise that's what really made it feel special and then in college um i met a lot of good friends even that i have till this day through through dance um and uh that was just a fun time you know like um just this sort of recreational activity that we would all enjoy like again there's not a big scene um like you have in california um but you just need a couple people to like get down with and that's that's it right so 100 percent. and then you found your way anyway to california so can you tell us a little bit about that How, how did that end up how did you end up deciding to move here and then um, what were the leading factors to that sure so um syracuse had has i think still an la program so Mm. i did my last semester of syracuse in la um and again the reasoning like just thinking about everything i was into um is out here like the whole entertainment industry dance design film like all these things are you know this is this is where it happened so i just knew i needed to see it for myself um and that program really helped me like dip my toes in the water so to speak and um get a little more sense of like what life is like here and the things that take place and yeah i I, uh, applied no not even applied like this i got an internship at world of dance Mm -hmm. Uh, and that was my first step into like professionally doing this stuff. How did that end up happening? How did you end up being in the internship? Um, I went to an event called World Dance Awards. Awards? Yeah, okay. it was like their awards show. Oh. This is in 2012. I think it was still fairly new at that point. And I arrived early because like I just assumed driving around LA would take me forever. Um, and it took a long time, but I still got there early. Okay. And um, I didn't know where to go, right? Like, I'm, I'm new, so I just waited in line. Like, there's no line. I'm just, like, the only one standing outside. <laughs> um, Everyone else is on B-Boy time. Yeah. yeah. I, um, I, I think I was, like, over an hour early. Oh, damn, and okay. the 
the guy who was running the website at the time walked out his name is Calvin and he was like what are you doing here like do you do you work with a publication because I had my camera on me mm. it's like a Canon T2i or something hey, okay um, and I was like no I just came to you know watch the show um, and I, I'm just early and so he asked if I would like to shoot for them that night and granted at wow. this point I'm still fairly inexperienced um, but I just saw it as a potential opportunity so I took it and I think overnight I turned around edited photos and an edited video like a recap video of the event wow. and sent it to them by that morning Dang. Um, again like not knowing if anything would come of it but it's like just the feeling of maybe I should like try to make something of this yeah. like, just see where it goes because um, you don't put in the effort you'll never know so that I think that alone like showing that initiative got me this inter internship that didn't exist like they it's not <laughs> like they had a position open no. you know but I think seeing that made them think okay maybe this kid has something to offer mm. so um, that's all it was wow yeah. okay so yeah you I mean, people might say, like, oh, like, you got lucky because they handed it to you, but when luck and opportunity falls into your lap, it's up to you to make the decision. Not everybody who was given that opportunity would have stayed up all night. I mean, I know how it is, like, yeah. getting a recap video yeah. and, and turning over, like, multiple photos for the event when, like, this isn't even something that you were prepared to do the day <laughs> of. You just kind of did it. <laughs> so that, that's pretty amazing to hear um, where that... And, and is that, like... I want to dive a little bit more deep, deeper into that um, ethic of yours. I'm not sure if that's something that you've done in the in the past, or I'm sure it didn't come out of nowhere. It's not like you decided to start working hard at that moment, mm. you know. So, um, I guess, yeah. Where, what, what, uh, what do you think? Were, were you looking for work at that time? Were, were you looking for a job or? Uh. Like, when, when this opportunity came to you, why did you decide to go so ham on it? I was not really looking for a job because the 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 Syracuse program requires you to have an internship. Okay. And I already had one. Oh, you had one? Yeah. Um, so I was not even sure, like, if I could realistically add this to my plate. But I knew that – I knew of this company. I'd seen the show on YouTube. You know what I mean? I mean, at this point, it wasn't a TV show. It was like, right. it was a, a live event show. Yeah. But the performances would be posted on YouTube. Mm -hmm. So that's how I knew of it. I knew the dancers that performed at it. Um, and I just felt like I should go for this because all of my interests and skill sets sort of aligned somewhere in this range. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's what it was like realizing that maybe there's a place for me maybe um you know something can come of like this sort of weird mixture of interests um in this particular space yeah wow okay got it so it clicked with you you're like okay yeah maybe this something can come from it yeah sure got it so then you do that they give you an interview position mm -hmm. and at some point you end up you end up working your way up right so then what happens how how long are you with world of right. and then Where's the next step after that? It was fairly f quick. 
um, not because I was like amazing is is really just because the company was actually so small mm -hmm. at the time and um, pretty soon I found myself in charge of pretty much all of the media so shooting and editing video photos some design work um, and working with like a lot of these notable dancers in the scene so um, I worked with them through 2014 yeah something like that okay so you end up going up there and then at some point okay up to 2014 so what makes you decide to to move on what 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 is that catalyst because I know around this time around this 2014 13 12 time something's brewing right and it, it has a lot to do with where we're sitting right now so so exactly what falls into your lap if, if it does or what what are the opportunities or things that are presented this time um, whether it be meeting I don't know the people who may have also helped you come up with this yeah um, so part of it is like throughout this whole time like 2012 to 2014 I've also been working with a lot of these dancers um, on the like personal shoots and stuff mm -hmm. like that and I'm developing my skill set through this time, having a better understanding of, um, I guess, how I would shoot things or, or approach things creatively. Um, and Anthony was one of the first people I worked with, uh, Anthony Lee. And I think we just hit this sweet spot of like, in our careers at the right time, meeting each other at the, you know, in the mm. right kind of headspace. Um, he was sort of like considering at that time whether or not to fully commit himself to dance. Um, and 2014, I think he and Mike Song, like they're really thinking about um, what's the next step because af like they have at, at that point been sort of traveling and teaching um, individually. And there's a lot of people sort of in that generation that were doing that. Mm -hmm. um, but I think the questions about like longevity right. and lifestyle start to enter um, like your, your headspace, like what, what's the long game? Yeah. Because that doesn't, that didn't feel like a long game. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then realizing the strength of like bringing individuals together um, and Kinjas had existed in a sense since 2010 in a way, um, but more so as like a for fun, like college-based yeah. group was, of friends. Yeah, it was like yeah. just for fun, right? right. Yeah. So um, I think the switch started to turn in terms of like considering it as a potential business and what are the ways that um, we can elevate everything if mm -hmm. we work together okay so it really stemmed from a conversation with myself anthony and mike um but the team grew very quickly from there and personally i, I felt like um there's a lot of alignment in who we are as people where we were at that point in time um artistically, culturally, the things that 
tie us together. There's like a lot of, you know, a lot of overlap in, I think the way we were brought up to creatively what we're into, um, everything, music, fashion, art, pop culture yeah, type stuff. In a lot yeah. of ways, right? And that was refreshing. Um, not that it didn't happen at World of Dance, but World of Dance is such a wide gamut, right? And it represents a lot of people. And I think it, it just never felt like um, my thing. As it, I mean, not that it should. It's just like, this was some, like someone else's yeah. thing. It's, and, and it's, yeah, I see what you mean. Right, yeah. so. And now you have the opportunity to really like push something that can re you can really be a part of right yeah something that maybe is a little feels a little closer to me um and like people that i already had enjoyed working with up till that point mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um and the mentality of this sort of collective coming together that um stemmed from kinjas also was brought into like the vibrancy team yeah so and the whole development of that mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right. so what were those like earlier talks like because now looking back in hindsight it's like oh yeah it makes sense like yeah. this exists right like yeah. of course it works but then back then and still honestly it's not that it's pretty unprecedented to hear a group of dancers especially before this to come together and build a entity a company you mm -hmm. know that that can be sustainable in so many different ways besides just performing mm -hmm. right like you said that's what most dancers that was the reality back then right mm -hmm. like you 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 become really famous and then or or you get you get a good following you get flown out and you teach mm -hmm. and that was like one of your main forms of the income but now you guys are like i don't know how sustainable that is long term so so what were those earlier talks like and how did you guys begin to formulate how this is going to work back then yeah so i mean back then i think our our scope was still fairly limited we just knew that collectively we could do things that are not really possible if we're just trying to run by ourselves um and bringing together different skill sets obviously like um from my perspective as like a designer photographer videographer that brings something to Mike and Anthony that they can't do without me. They're doing all sorts of artistry that I can't do without them. And that's multiplied every time someone new is brought into the fold. So, um, yeah, I mean, it hasn't really changed. It's just like, I think the scope gets bigger um, when new people are introduced or like when sort of new connections are made and the yeah i mean the earliest sort of periphery sort of things were you know merchandising so like mm -hmm. starting some selling some t-shirts you right. know um and i mean the earliest tasks were just like shooting videos because that was what brought um like relevancy to what we were doing and who we were and help to connect some dots mm -hmm. um, and we still use that in, as a strategy to this day um, creating content that hopefully resonates with people um, and not just people that are our fans but like hopefully more than that mm -hmm. and for 
we ideally should be able to cater to different people, different audiences, to um, widen that scope again. Right. Yeah. It, it's um, now that we're looking at it and what it's become. I, I want to touch on this later, but I'm uh, I'll bring it up just now so we put a pin in it. But you mentioned like the half step concept, right, mm-hmm. in the earlier podcast. Um, I think that really fits into what you're talking about now. But before we move on, um, I know that at the very beginning stages, like when you guys were selling shirts and such, there was like a a cross country tour that you guys yeah. did together, right? Yeah. So I, I I've heard in, <laughs> I've heard from you guys offhandedly like that happened, right? But kind of want to go deeper into that because it, it was a while, right? You guys were on the road for a while, and yeah. um, I'm not sure who was there. I mean, it was Mike, Anthony, you, Nick. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. There's maybe more people, but. Um, I kind of wanted, like, if, if you have any, were there any events or turning points or or things that happened during that trip? And how long were you guys on the road? Mm. Um, what did you guys gain from that, do you think? Yeah. Um, that was at the very beginning. So, like, that's right after I left my position at World of Dance. And Mike and Ant were like, we should really, like, set aside time for each other and try to start figuring this out because it's not going to be easy obviously we're diving into something new yeah and um they suggested a cross-country road trip and it took us like two weeks two and a half weeks Uh, and we kind of zigzagged it's not like it really actually takes that long but um they sort of set it up to where they had workshops in different cities and we kind of planned out the pathway based on that Mm, but really it was the main focus was to set aside time and spend it with each other to formulate strategy around how to build what we want to build um, as a business and how to work together best and um, that started with myself Anthony Mike and Nick uh, Nick Kim who was my intern at World of Dance Uh, okay prior to that got you so he sort of um i guess followed me yeah he yeah. just kind of okay tagged along yeah oh nice um, okay and it was great i mean i think you gain a lot of like mutual understanding about each other spending like literally two weeks straight in a minivan right. <laughs> you know what i mean like you just don't have a choice yeah um but it was a really great experience um and I think really sort of crucial at that time because even though we had sort of worked together a lot by that point to sort of understand each other at that level um, is a little bit different and, and definitely gave us, you know, the, the time to really um, consider so many different things into a very pivotal time in our lives that we were sort of committing to each other in a way um and on that same trip um we met ben mm. and and sean Evaristo, oh. um sort of towards like the second or third quarter of it um and yeah so so ben sort of like joined uh, shortly after that trip as well. Right. So yeah, I mean, you guys met many crucial members today, right? Mm-hmm. Through that one trip, mm-hmm. and you really took the time and and dedicated a leg of 
of time in order to to make this happen because it's like you said um i can see the benefit definitely like now looking at it just uh this wouldn't have you wouldn't have been able to bond or connect or or talk if you hadn't taken that leap right i mean you quit your job mm-hmm. and th- those guys i'm sure it wasn't it's not easy for for 20 somethings who are supposed to be in the workforce to kind of just to go yeah, for that right yeah. it was daunting for sure yeah so yeah i, I mean it, it just sounds like a great time and worth it right but in order to take that leap it does take a little bit of courage so mm-hmm. yeah, that was great i'm glad you guys did that okay so i, I want to touch on i guess a few leaps and bounds if you could call those that um for kinjas i know i forgot what year it was but you guys began to appear on tv shows so that was that's those, those are i'm pretty sure helped a mm-hmm. good amount in, in its own ways and then yeah even um later contact with china mm-hmm. like um let's okay let's let's say after the road trip like what was like the next big move for you guys what did you guys decide from that road trip what was what were you guys gonna do from there um so i think um man that time the tv shows did happen i think fairly shortly maybe 2015 mm-hmm. i think uh abdc um but sort of post road trip it was really um sort of building right whether it was like creating content or um i guess it was that like but with different members and starting to really try to showcase and highlight um these sort of like group efforts Mm. because people hadn't necessarily seen that before um in the way that we were presenting things and um alongside it building the brand in the sense of like the imagery of it and whether that was like logos or the merchandise we started to roll out um so very basic stuff in a, in a way um but i think even at that point like there weren't a lot of other people doing it the way we were thinking about things so um yeah that did lead up to uh, ABDC and we were on the season that was like everyone else was a past winner right yeah you guys were like so yeah so how did that opportunity end up presenting itself do you remember I don't really I feel like it was probably just like a email to the booking or whatever or maybe they some like a Napoleon or something hit up um, Mike and Anthony but it was definitely like, wow, we're, we're being invited onto this. Right. Like, and that was probably because of what you guys were doing for yourselves at that point. Because it's sure. not like you were just being handed down. There were things that were, like you said, you were creating content, right? So, Right. And, um, I mean, we definitely have members that were alumni on the show from different crews. That's so I too. think that's, that's a unique thing, too. But we're like, wow, we're getting invited onto this sort of season of champions situation and um that was a sort of an eye-opener and definitely uh, a blessing in some ways um television is it can be challenging (laughs) um and you have to sort of the i think the pros are not obvious off the bat they're not what you think they are Hmm, really yeah the pros um, are not obvious for television yeah i think okay. reality tv is a is a certain kind of animal and you there's definitely ways to gain from it you just have to 
um, be mindful of what those actually are versus what they might appear to be. Whoa. Okay. All right. So I guess um, from like your guys' personal experience, uh, um, I don't know if you're allowed to talk. I don't know if you want to, if you're allowed to talk about that. But uh, if if there is anything like that you have for people that who may be faced with that situation in the future in the past, get. If you have any specifics, you don't have to give an example as a personal, but just yeah. what are some of these things you're talking about in terms of being wary, being mindful? Um, there's a lot of things that come into play where you might not really be in full control of your own artistry. Mm. And there's compromises that take place. Um, and at the end of the day, like if you believe in what you're doing, the best thing you can do for yourself is just try to stay as close to your artistry as you can. Like, there's there's compromises that will happen no matter what. But if you do something that you don't really want to do or you don't really want to be represented this way but you feel like you should for the sake of the show, like you might do better, I, I think see. there's more likely um, going to be regret if you do that versus just staying true to what you really believe in or what you really want to do. That so, makes sense. Okay. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, it's a, it's like you said, it's a, it's a whole conglomerate. And mm -hmm. so in, in the end of the day, it is a production and mm -hmm. it's not just your production, right? So there's going to be times, and I don't think this is exclusive to television probably, but just working with bigger entities, right, mm. is is that um, they're going to want to shape you and mold you, right, in, mm. in ways that maybe you wouldn't necessarily want if it was just your own production, mm -hmm. right? So it's, it's just a matter of being as integral to yourself as you can, essentially, yeah, right? right? Okay, that makes sense. Speaking of that, and we'll, we'll switch gears now, um, a lot of... And I I hope you'll allow me to toot your horn for a little bit, just because I know you don't actually don't you don't get the spotlight a lot of times. But it's just funny because um, when when people see Kinjas, I don't think a lot of not not as many people will know like who John Shi is as maybe my Anthony. But the armor and the accessories and the graphics and the visual language of Kinjas is almost like at least i know from the beginning and still through now it's 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 your baby a lot of the time right like from the logos to the visual effects to the freaking complex that we're sitting in you know i can't when you told me that you designed or you helped design or you headed it designing like shanghai and the complex and all these crazy places i i couldn't believe it man like you are a testament to someone who doesn't allow a medium to box them in and yeah i mean just wanted to, to acknowledge you for that first of all which is thanks insane. man yeah of it course it's 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 pretty remarkable but um the question i guess i want to ask about that is like how do you feel about okay first i wanted to ask you because you do all of these different things mm -hmm. and i feel like most people can spend a lifetime doing one so um what are your opinions on specialization Mm. So I know that's something that I'm sure that maybe crossed your mind once in a while. Um, I know it does for myself, but people, especially in, in today's world and it, not even in today's world, like 
I, I see it even on set, you know, when we're on a filmmaking set, people are invited because they're good at lighting or they're mm -hmm. good at gaffing. You know, mm -hmm. they're the gaffer, they're the DP, right? They have a role that they're really good at. So that being said, um, how has your mentality been towards this idea, right? Because you have clearly decided that you're not going to be constrained to one thing. But I'm sure you wrestle sometimes, like, maybe I should have yeah, yeah, focused absolutely. completely on that. So how, how do you see that? And what do you think about people who, um, who want to do more, mm -hmm. but also want to be really good at one thing? Yeah, I think that it's, uh, there's definitely pros and cons to both. And personally, I just feel like I'm just naturally interested in all these things and and sort of design as a whole holistic kind of um, mentality mm. where um, it's not because I'm great at all these things but I, I am interested in all these avenues and that by itself makes me feel limited if I only approach one and um, it's tough because I think that has sort of limited my uh, opportunities in, in ways because I don't think I'm great at any one thing um, but I have sort of like a unique arsenal of things that I know um, I know enough about a bunch of things that it becomes powerful as a as a package, I mm -hmm. guess. Um, and I think there's definitely people that thrive at specialization, and that's amazing. <laughs> um, even within our own team, there's some, some people that are more so specialists than um, I guess what I do. And that's important, and I have the luxury of my position because I have specialists in a way, right? Um, and yeah, I think, um, yeah, my, my sort of ideal world is, is like um, where I know enough about all this sort of like little or different areas mm -hmm. so whether i mean i i never i've never designed an interior before i designed um i i mean the first one was the dojo in monterey mm. park yeah so okay let's let's touch on that just because yeah. it's not like you went to school for interior design right um and all of a sudden like this opportunity presents itself mm -hmm. so you guys could have hired someone to just do it for you right mm -hmm. um and I'm sure most people like who don't have experience, mm -hmm. that's what they would probably naturally yeah. do. But uh, what was going through your head in, in terms of like this opportunities here? So th was that ever a consideration to hire somebody or how exactly yeah, do you remember? I, I'm sure it was, went? but I, I, I'm also sure that we had very severe sort of budgetary constraint. Oh, okay, right. Um, and again, I, I just have the interest and I have general sort of design principles in my head that can you know carry some weight in terms of like if you're trying this for the first time 
I'm not starting from nothing. I have a little bit of something that's related. Right. And that's true. Thankfully, that was enough. Um, I mean, it still took me a lot of sort of uh, like more research and and learning things on the fly, and you have to be willing to put in that time and energy um, to to be successful. I think. Um, but yeah, that's. I, I, I think Dojo Monterey Park was like the baby step, and then it was um, Dojo Chengdu. Oh. <laughs> so that, that was the that big That was the second jump. one? That was the second one. Okay, so I have had the privilege of visiting um, the, the Dojo in Chengdu, mm-hmm. and I'll try to paint a picture in people's heads of the place. <laughs> um, literally, okay, so I met Chad, and he took us to Chengdu um, Dojo while I was on a layover. We just happened to meet him on the plane. It was yeah, super random. It's crazy. I don't understand how this world works. <laughs> Life is crazy. But um, in on my three or four hour layover, they, they drove me over there and I I was able to go inside and I was like, Oh, you know, like Kinja's Dojo Monterey, like it's 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 nice, like it's well done, <laughs> but the space is like space is probably the size of a uh, like a Starbucks coffee shop with a second floor. I, that's I I'd say maybe a little bit bigger. Um, especially like the upstairs, like a dance studio plus a Starbucks coffee shop. So I'm like, it's probably gonna be the same. Yeah, so yeah. step inside, it's like a freaking mini village in there. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, you go inside and it, it looks f- so futuristic. Um, not something that you typically see in America. Mm. Um, you even have like this whole panoramic view of mm. like the city. Um, Chad called it Wakanda. Like if you ever watched <laughs> Black, Black Panther, it looks kind of like the King's Lair. It's freaking dope. Yeah. And then he told me that like, you're kind of right he, the way he worried it was you're currently inside the mind of john she that's what he said <laughs> and i'm just like at this point i haven't talked to you i haven't known you but dude i had already been following you for a while i'm just like this guy is like where does it where does it end you know where does the creativity end so that was your second project wow second all right yeah so um, like spatial design yeah. all right i mean what what was what was that like what was the process of putting that together um daunting for sure um and i think that i do sort of start with a very practical approach and look at what is what are the parameters right and Mm -hmm. if you think about it having been there you know it's it's sort of an odd shape it's like a weird like arc yeah and there's a bunch of pillars like structural pillars that you can't move Mm -hmm. so you sort of have to work around it so the, the very first thing is like, okay, it's a dance studio. Where do the dance rooms go? Right. That makes sense. And okay. then it's sort of, if, if that's sort of the bare bones, what can we do to build around it? Mm. And then, um, you know, at that point, I was really considering things like how, how do we stand apart? You know, how, how do we make this different? Um, as an experience for people when they walk in the door, like I want them to feel like they're somewhere else. I want to feel like they're in the Kinja's universe. And um, thankfully working with Sinosage, they're amazing partners. They've been very supportive of sort of like these crazy creative ideas. And um, yeah, they were able to see it through it's like really deliver on this sort of like you said like futuristic um the other sort of like um image in my head was really 
like what does it feel like to walk down the street in Tokyo or in Hong Kong and how do we bring that element of it inside um, and there is sort of this panoramic glass all the way down the length of the studio and so it does feel almost like you're outside in the city you're yeah. surrounded by the cityscape that has been building even since you went um, there's been more development since then and um, yeah I, I, I was really um, inspired by like, sort of like cyberpunk aesthetics and things like that um, and sort of this uh, mashup of like old and new so there's definitely traditional architectural themes from uh, like Chinese and Japanese architecture um, but then like modernized through materials and through um, sort of like the presentation as a whole because I, I feel like that is also representative of um, Kinja's in a way as modern Asian American predominantly um, and sort of these thematic themes that like are cross-generational uh, sort of cultural motifs and um, can be represented through architecture, through music, through things like that, that we also like to kind of bend, you know. Right, uh, yeah. yeah. Okay, I I can see where, through, through your explanation, I can see where having that principle, um, foundational understanding of design comes from, or works, right? Because it's like you said, the first problem or issue or thing you have to address is it's a dance studio, right? Mm -hmm. So fundamentally, let's, let's take care of those first. Yeah, and then, just get it out of the way. Right, yeah. yeah, and so you have those, but then that that's like your leading lines, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not like you're starting from scratch. You have the, uh, the prompts, and then um, you have really strong vision of like maybe potentially, right, like old with new, and then making it look like it's like, a, like you're, like inside is outside, like mm -hmm. a, a whole city. That was really impressive because that's exactly how it felt like when I was walking through the, the halls and then um, just seeing the scape and also integrating the things that you're interested in and, and being um, embracing of that. You know, I, I really respect that part of you guys as well because I mean, currently we're sitting in um, the Vibrancy office, which is a loft, yeah. which is crazy too, you know, but on its own, but um, there's, there's like figures and, and helmets, there's a Mandalorian helmet right there. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's there's more helmets over there. There's there's toys, there's figurines. So, um, I mean, that's also really cool. I feel like that's not something that most adults will continue to embrace. <laughs> and yeah, and I'm just still a kid. There you go. Yeah, um, I think that's a really important part, though, right? I, I think uh, it's important to surround yourself with people, things that creatively inspire you. Um, if you work in a creative field I, I think that I mean it feels different right when you're oh, yeah. when you're surrounded by that and again like what we want people to who experience any of our spaces um, to walk away from feeling is like that feels like a like something special like whether it's just different or whether it's something they also resonate with um, they can identify it as like Kinja's vibrancy. That's what that looks and feels like. Yeah. That's awesome. I, okay, this is going to be, I mean, I, I hope it helps the audience as well, but this is a, a question I just want to throw out for myself. Um, 
So the first time I met you, it was in Shanghai Disneyland, <laughs> yeah. right? Which is also kind of crazy because he just happened to be there. Um, again, <laughs> people just happened to be there, and I was studying abroad there. Um, and then we saw you guys. So when you're in places like that, because you were mentioning you want to give them this experience, you want to mm-hmm. take them into a whole new world, and I feel like places like that oh, yeah. do a really great job of doing that. For so, sure. So when you go to places like that. Is your brain on and like kind of looking at these things yes. ever? Like, yeah. Okay. And so. honestly, that happens sort of everywhere. I think also like if you're in film or photography, for example, you can't like watch a movie without thinking about the composition or the color grading or yeah, whatever. Like that's true. It, it's sometimes hard to like Turn enjoy off. something yeah. um, and not like super analyze it. But um that is sort of where I think you can draw a lot of creativity from is if you are open to um, allowing yourself to experience things in that way where you are actively thinking about why is this shaped this way? Why is this placed here? You know, like in sort of any experience, whether it's um, whether it's a Starbucks or whether it's Shanghai Disneyland. Right. Um, Either or. Yeah. yeah. Just anywhere, huh? Oh, okay. Yeah, really asking that question why mm-hmm. and and allowing yourself to learn from your experiences. That's mm-hmm. really that's really special. Okay. Um so then on the flip side of that coin, now I want to ask you about your like the process essentially and specifically about the process because you do so many things like you said we mentioned earlier before this podcast, um you currently have a deal with some retailers in Japan where you're creating um apparel mm-hmm. for Kinjas under under Kinjas and yeah, like it's it's selling in stores in Japan, which is mm-hmm. already pretty amazing. Um, but the quota is 15 shirts a month, right? So that's that's <laughs> one less, shirt every yeah. two days. Yeah. Uh, on top of everything you're already doing, which is creative directing for vibrancy, creating films, doing visual effects. Uh, I saw I saw those 13 projects <laughs> for the Scots. You know, yeah. like these are things you're doing on top of all of this. Yeah. So one thing is, it's not like you have any more hours in a day than anybody else. Um, the first uh, question I have is, on a scale of 0 to 10, how much of a perfectionist do you think you are? Um, I think like a 9. Really? Yeah. What? How do you even... Okay, so I was expecting the number to be low <laughs> because I don't understand how it's possible you're whipping out all this stuff. Yeah, I think you just have to be it. selective about it okay. because they're like... I think I'm the type of person that if I don't feel like I can f- fully commit to something, I'd rather not take it. I see. I'd rather not, you know, put out something less than what I'm capable of. Um, and I actually feel like a lot of people in our in our circle are sort of the same way, and that pushes everyone to like push a little harder. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So. I think it's good in that sense that um, I'm surrounded by people that are supportive of a mentality like that, that does put certain pressure on um, each other in a way to to deliver at a high level. Um, But that's how we can succeed, right? That's how we can stand out. That's true. Um, I mean, that's just pretty remarkable because... You okay? That makes sense. So you're you're pretty selective of what you decide to commit yourself to, first yeah. of all. Yeah. Um, even though it's still a lot of things. But, right. uh, and 
in a world, and I know um, this is something that you wrestled with because in a world where it seems like when we look at how social media is designed, essentially, right? Frequency is very important. Mm. The amount of times you post um, algorithmically can often um, favor the yeah. level of quality. Yeah. And I know that's something that is we're like terrible at, at like we're, quantity, right? Yeah, we we're the worst. <laughs> uh, I, I, and, I, and it's unfortunate because it shouldn't be like that, right? Because that requ- that requires if you're going to be more frequent. Not oh, it doesn't require, but. Um, the price you pay might have to be for quality, right? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. That is something that I, I can see now from what you said um, has to be something that doesn't have to be sacrificed, but you have to prioritize, right? Yeah, you do. Yeah. And uh, I mean, that's something that is a hard decision all the time because there is definitely value in social media and it's hard to, uh, yeah, it's a balance, right? Because to some extent, if you look at our vibrancy Instagram, there's weeks that go by that we don't post anything. And when we do post, it's three things at a time. Mm-hmm. They all line up. They all more or less follow sort of like the color palette of the thing before. It's not easy to keep up with that in in ways that like are relevant to whatever's happening right now. We're always doing stuff, yeah. but it's not always reflected in the feed Mm -hmm. and I think we just consider the feed as more of like a portfolio and when we have a potential client it's like here this is what our stuff looks like rather than trying to keep up with the day-to-day social media which is, is very detrimental if you're trying to build numbers so I don't recommend this to anybody um but like it allows us to preserve the look and feel of our Instagram in a way that hopefully has some value in it too that's a little bit different um, and so that you're totally right that's definitely a sacrifice in in, in many ways yeah. um, I wouldn't go to say as far that you guys are terrible though like especially with your personal feed you, you are posting multiple times a week and sometimes. those posts are and sometimes but those posts are they're high quality you know and, and it's like you said just ba- based per your pers- your personality mm-hmm. um you're gonna have you're gonna be working on that for a while like the i mean we're surrounded by these fragment dolls so there's one right there but um i remember you're doing some illustrations on the illustrator and stuff like that um little art pieces or different random things but um and and the same principle when you guys have to whip out 15 shirts a month mm-hmm. uh it's possible to do both right but it's maybe maybe the key is like what you said is um, being selective of what you decide to choose. Yeah, I, like my feed or my following on Instagram, I think hasn't changed really in over a year. <laughs> um, and s- I don't know. I partially like I don't care that much. Partially, I wish like collectively everything we do, the artistry could be represented with higher numbers obviously that can come with like more profitability in in different gigs and such unfortunately there are like clients that have essentially turned us down because our following numbers weren't high enough and so they're definitely looking at numbers following and viewership as a metric for value where ideally i mean for us ideally 
um, that should come from the quality of the work. And so there's sort of a disconnect there that that makes me feel a little bit um, uncomfortable in terms of like how social media works, but that's how the world is. You ch either choose to play the game or you don't. Um, and so, yeah, we're just, you know, figuring that line out for ourselves. Yeah, and I, I don't think it's a forfeit. I think it's something that, it's weird because art, it's, it's such a um, strange relationship that art has with social media. Because mm -hmm. social media is, is essentially like its own thing. You know, mm -hmm. you can, I, mean, I don't want to bag on anybody out there, but like people who know how to do social media and they put more time into that versus their art are able to perform exponentially better than yeah. those who perform prioritize their art over social media right? right so i think you guys are an example of of that kind of case mm -hmm. where the arts is the priority right so we, we can talk more about that in another time but um <laughs> okay i we'll, we'll wrap up soon but i think one thing i wanted to ask is also just because you got you're doing so many things is and i know this is a it is a human trait like wide so burnout mm -hmm. right so um how, how, when it hits you, how do you deal with it? How do you like to deal with it? Yeah. Um, and I don't know, have you had any cases of burnout in, in recent times? Yeah, sure. I, I think it, for me, it happens when there's like 20 things going on and like, it, it's almost paralyzing. Like if you have to, if you have to think about fixing 20 problems at the same time, you can't even fix it's one. Like mountain, right? Yeah, you, you just have to um, choose to, almost like choose to like let go of something to grab onto something else, mm. right? So, um, and that's that can be difficult in itself because maybe you don't want to let this go. You feel like you should, you know, push through. But if it's not working, it's not working. You just got to like cut the loss so to speak, and focus on something else um, to, and once that's done, maybe you go back to the, the previous thing. Um, and yeah, it can, it's hard, right? I, I, I don't think there's an easy answer to, to that. I think all creatives go through it. Mm -hmm. And um, I think... Um, when you personally... Um in the sense of burnout where you just don't have that same passion that you feel yeah. like for normal normally um what what are some of the things you like to do in terms of i don't know if you you go elsewhere and, and take your for and inspiration like go, yeah, yeah 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 um i do think i'm lucky in the sense that i do get inspired by sort of a range of different things and it's sort of random, right? So it's it's hard to pick one, but um, I do really get inspired by looking at other forms of art and people that specialize in different things, whether it's um, like prop making or um, like a like an illustrator or a three D artist or an architect. Um, so if you look at my Instagram, what is it like the like page or whatever, you'll see like all sorts of different artists mm. and different creatives. So 
um, I don't know. I, I guess I, I always like save their posts, right? And part of it is like, maybe I'll come back to this someday and it'll inspire me to do something or to think about something in a certain different way that I haven't done yet. Yeah. Um, and I recently rewatched the whole Netflix abstract series. Oh, yeah, it's I, a great one. Yeah, I watched it yeah. all a long time ago, yeah. but just going through all of that again was really refreshing because they really do feature a lot of amazing creative people and um, yeah. what they have to say is really great. So That's a great one, yeah. Um, that That's definitely a huge inspiration of, well, I'm sure for designers far and wide, but I don't know, I, definitely um, for this, even this show, and you're definitely one of the first people that popped into mind when I saw the show. I'm like, dude, he'd love this. But yeah. Yeah, I'm glad you watched it. Okay. For sure. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I, I think we'll, we'll wrap up now. It's, honestly, John, this has been super great. Um, the last thing I wanted to ask you is just about, so I remember in, in the last, um, if you listen to the podcast with John and Gerald on the Kinjas podcast, it's a really great one. I would check that out. That was what I used as preface. But um, you mentioned that you guys have come a long way since, since you first started. A lot of things have been accomplished and a lot of things have been built. Mm -hmm. And so while um, success is like, it's, it's relative and it's subjective, right? And who's to say like, you can't always feel successful. You should to a degree feel like you're doing something, right? Mm -hmm. right? right? Maybe in terms of how about after, you know, this is all done, right? Because at some point you gotta, you gotta leave it all behind and you gotta leave a legacy, right? So mm -hmm. what do you think, and this is a deep question, so you can think about it, but how, how do you want to be remembered? Um, what what are the things that you want people to remember you by and mm. what are the impacts that you want to make on the world in the long term? Sure. Um, oh, man. Well, collectively, um, if you do watch that podcast or listen to it, we do talk about this thing we call the half-step concept. Right. And... I am hopeful that that is part of the legacy we can leave, whether it's to dancers or other creatives, um, is like bridging the gaps between these creative mediums and creative artists. Um, there's, to me, a lot of still unexplored territory. And I think we're very we've been very sort of aggressive about exploring these different things as much as possible, but we're not going to be the only ones, you know, like th there should be more that follow and, um, they can definitely pave their own way through the, all this stuff. And, um, I mean, I get excited when I get to connect with, um, a visual artist, uh, like in Japan, connect him somehow to like some like the, the arcade machine downstairs and bring that into like a choreography video that the guys are working on um so it's i don't know just things like that that maybe other people aren't really thinking about um yeah i i'm i don't know if i i don't think the goal is like my legacy I, but i think that hopefully a lasting impact of whatever we're doing here as 
the collective of Kinjas and Vibrancy will benefit um, dancers and creatives down the line just in terms of expanding the horizons beyond like what has been typically understood as a dancer's career path. Right. Yeah. Got you. I love it. And I think that's something that is something you guys are already putting into practice today. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, just before we close up, John, I want to yeah, acknowledge you. And you said that we, we mentioned the idea of specialization and, and also there's this whole saying like jack of all trades, master mm -hmm. of none. Yeah. But I don't think that's necessarily has to be true, right? I think you can be a jack of all trades and a master of few. Yeah. Um, and I also think that maybe from an outside perspective, I want to let you know that I'm sure you're looking up to a lot of heroes that are like, you know, that you have to look up to and that you maybe you compare yourself to sometimes from time to time. But um, from the perspective of somebody who started breaking, you know, and saw the same future in reality, like I can't, I don't know if I can make a career out of dance. Mm -hmm. Like um, when I saw you guys and what you're doing, regardless of like if it's making like financial sense or not it's it's making an impact on the world and therefore eventually will be able to be sustainable mm. just the stuff that you have been creating like visually graphically um film wise seeing how you've all you've been able to do all of these things um has been extremely inspiring since probably like end of high school and i'm sure a lot <laughs> of people feel the same way thanks um, man. yeah man like your your stuff i think um is is greater than than you might give yourself credit for you know and um not and i don't want i know you're not gonna get cocky because you're a super <laughs> humble guy but i just wanted to let you know that and um the whole point of the, the crossroads is to show people that these things are possible right like that there are people out here that exist mm -hmm. that are doing the most and they're doing things that you may not know are even feasible and yeah keep doing the thing man i appreciate yeah. you and you were uh you were the person that actually inspired me to to start this i don't know oh, if you remember shoot. yeah i don't know if you remember me coming into your house and i was like yeah. i was like yo like I'm, i want to interview you i want to do something mm -hmm. um it's been a year and we've had some pretty incredible people on but i'm, I'm glad it finally came full circle dude i'm happy to be this. here thanks for having me no it's been an absolute honor and i mean maybe till next time you know yeah, yeah I'm for sure, sure. Yeah, man. Okay. Well, um, yeah, guys, I think. Okay. Well, make sure you follow John, first of all. <laughs> JYC21, uh, correct? JYSHIH21 mm -hmm. uh, on Instagram. Follow Vibrancy with a V as the A. And Kinjas, right? Um, and keep updated. And yeah, you guys, keep it up. Push, your, push yourself. Don't have to limit yourself. And this guy has proved that. So until next time, signing out. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Peace. What is up, you guys? It's Kai again. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Crossroads. Your listenership makes all this work worth it. Please don't forget to follow us on Instagram at thecrossroadsz underscore or visit us at anchor.fm slash crossroads. There, you can leave a voice message or questions for future episodes. And if you really enjoy the content, you can even become an Anchor supporter. By donating a small monthly fee, whether that be a dollar or five dollars a month, we will give you a shout out on all future episodes of The Crossroads. And if you're short on cash and can't donate, no worries, we feel you. You can still support the show in the best way possible by sharing The Crossroads with a friend. That way you will not only be supporting us by bringing us new, valuable listenership, but by helping your friends gain new knowledge. Hope to hear from you soon, you guys.
Take care. Till next time.